0: Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Thank you for tuning in to Late and Disorganized. In this episode of Late and Disorganized, I wanted to uh, speak positively about something that a lot of us may think of uh, negatively. And I'm sure that the route that I'm about to take with this, if you've done the work, such as self-evaluating and trying to uh, better yourself and going to therapy or just learning sense of self, trying to alleviate uh, stress in your mind based on the way that you may behave or the way that you may act. You already know what I'm about to say. So um, if you can't or aren't able to uh, learn From what I'm about to say You can at least sit Enjoy and relate to What I'm about to say And that is the fact that um, If you Are what we are And I'm not sure what term uh, I should use I think a lot of the terms Kind of get Bogged down in Either negativity are people claiming the term as a personality trait that excuses them from things that they do. So I'm not really even feeling like I'm gonna give it a name so much as I'm gonna give it uh, descriptions and attributes. And one of those uh, attributes is hypersensitivity. Uh, A lot of us who have gone this route in this journey, realized that the, the reason that we think the way we do or are the way we are is because we've lived outside of our uh, comfort zone for an extended period of time, years, in fact. And it's it's, it's generated <laughs> a weird superpower. If you've ever seen the, uh, the movie uh, X-Men, where the one that had Quicksilver it's our superpower. We we've lived outside of our comfort zone for so long that when things are uncomfortable, we move at a different at a, at a different pace than others. We we it's, it's it's funny because when things are not chaotic, we are uncomfortable. We're outside of our element. And the funny thing about it is that we when outside of our element we spend so much time thinking about what we're going to do when things go chaotic because we don't trust that we'll have the right reaction we don't trust that we'll know what to do we feel like we may panic we may embarrass ourselves we may we we just envision all of these pessimistic things that will happen when things are comfortable. And funny enough, when things get uncomfortable, another side of us is activated. We're the most calm ones in the room. We know what to do, how to do, what to say. It's like something else takes over. We are the most prepared people in the room. because now we're in our comfort zone. <laughs> we're in our mood, like the kids say. Like, we, this is where we thrive. This is where we perform. This is where our adrenaline kicks in. We, 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 we lock in. In fact, we're the type of people who, when things get chaotic, and it is that person who's screaming and panicking, we're the type of person who would get mad at that person because you, you're putting your fear on me. I know what to do You're generating emotions in me that Do not generate in these situations Shut the fuck up (laughs) You know I gotta deal with you first Before I deal with the situation And it's one of those things That is extremely ironic In peace we live our life in chaos Afraid that we're not going to be able to act in chaos But in chaos we live in peace So it's like if we just trust ourselves to know that chaos is our element and the reason why we are so un-at-peace in calm situations is because we want our element. We want to be where we feel safe. So instead of because the outside stimuli is not creating the world in which we feel safe, we create it in our mind. We love chaos. We thrive as much as we may feel like we don't like chaos. We want to get away from it. We want to live peaceful lives. That's the opposite. We thrive and feel our strongest and our most control when things are out of control, which is why when things are at peace, we create that world in our head of chaos. Cause ah, it's that good shit. This is that shit that I feel like I know what to do. And I, I feel comfortable. This this peaceful butterflies and, and and flowers and children laughing and people skipping. This isn't where I feel safe because the, the shit can pop off at any moment and I gotta be ready. Like that's, we want to live in that element. It's our superpower. It's, it's where we, we want, when we're in peace, we're on Krypton. When we're in chaos, we're on Earth with the, with the, with the right the, the bright yellow sun. We're Superman. We have our powers now. So what we have to learn to do is find peace on Krypton. Our family lives on Krypton. Our friends live on Krypton. Yeah, we might be Superman and Chaos, but Superman is alone on Earth. He's only one he's only one Kryptonian. Yeah, he, he can do amazing feats that amaze everyone and everyone adores them. And he can never really understand the admiration that they have for him be or her because they aren't superpowered. So it's like our superpower blinds us to the fact that we're not connected to the rest of the world and where if anything we're afraid to give it up We, we don't trust that if we don't live in it that we'll be prepared and the irony is that we are always prepared it's not because it's not a functional thing it's not anything that we think it's a mode a a consistent mode that we just snap into trust that you have the ability because you do Thank you for continuing to tune in to Late and Disorganized uh, first segment there was you know it's the relationship segment I guess it could be your relationship to dysfunction and chaos if you have the same mindset that, that I am from all a mindset that we're all trying to deprogram ourselves from and this uh, segment right here it goes into um, what I feel like a part is a part of our general programming as far as things that lead to uh, stress and um, dysfunction and that is um getting old and money and that's a a real disorganized way to talk about what this segment is going to talk about but growing up a lot of the influences that we took in at a young age were from entertainment and the world around us in the world around us didn't match entertainment so we kind of live it's the same way a lot of the children nowadays live on TikTok and social media and the things that they obsess about those of us are at an older age if we if we allow ourselves to get wrapped up into it we can get irritated by the, the verbiage going around as far as pronouns and woke and everything else like that because that's a world that younger kids exist in but that's not the world that we exist in you can be on the internet all day and go outside and see a fraction of the internet in the real world and it's the same thing with us when we were younger we the world that we lived in uh was formatted by the the influences around us, but it wasn't the actual world. So what was happening is that a lot of shows that we would take in, they would have characters that seemingly were supposed to be our age, teenagers, young people. And then as we grew up, and we started to see some of these people. You know, we, we had these grand ideas about who they were, and they got older. And we're looking at them, and their life is this, and their life is that, and and it makes you afraid to age, because you're kind of thinking like that's that's what I'm going, that's what's going to happen to me. But they they were actually a whole generation in front of us. They weren't from the generation that we grew up in. So started to see a lot of um people would be in their 40s and 50s even now 40 30s 40s 50s still acting like children it's like they can't let go of their youth they don't want to be unhip and old they don't want to be seen as old because all of the influences that they took in saying that old was not something that you want to be But the actuality of it is, think back to when you were a teenager. Think back to when you were uh, in your 20s. Think back to how easily you were manipulated and taken advantage of. Think back to the amount of information that you didn't know then that you know now. Think back to the difficulty it took for you to get things done and how little effort you gotta put into things now think back to like when you had to handle business and the phone was ringing and you're panicking on your side of the phone you're hoping you're going to say the right thing and you're going to know the right thing to say and then when you met friction it would just lead to you getting upset and being in your feelings while you're on the phone trying to handle business and at the end of the call the business wouldn't handle think about how you can handle things now. you know the, the proper thing to say, the proper routes to take. Think to if you were to get another apartment or another home, how you understand the process. Youth was difficult. Why would you want to go I mean why would you want to go back to that, to that mindset? Why would you want to go back to that? You have a wealth of information, a wealth of knowledge of a wealth of experiences. That if you recognize what's in you now, you have a new life to live. Let go of the past and you have a new life to live. Like a lot of people will sit and think about things of the past and cringe at things they used to do. But that's a positive because that's all that means is that you know better now. You won't cringe at things that you don't know better from. So that cringy feeling when you're thinking about your past that sometimes can lead you to depression or beating up on yourself, the positive is that the reason why it bothers you is because you know better. And because you know better, you can do better. You can go into that same situation and do better. You're not going to make those same mistakes because you know where that leads you. Why would you want to go back to unknowing? The whole point about youth is that it's hubris. You don't know. You're not brave, you're not tough, you're not a lot of things that made you feel like you were superhuman when you were young. The main thing is that you didn't know what you didn't know. And now that you know, you move different. You didn't lose your edge. You know that there's no edge that needs to be put forward for whatever you're going to do. When you're walking down the street and someone bumps you and you don't feel the same sense of protecting yourself as you felt when you were younger, it's not because you're soft. It's like you're older enough to know now, what's the point of indulging in that? My ego isn't as fragile as it used to be back in the day. You're just, you're smarter now. We Embrace the fact that you're smarter now and move and move and live from that elevation. You can't be elevated and trying to live your life based on what was below you. Elevate your entire being to where you are now. We all have to stop trying to live through the eyes of someone that we aren't anymore these young girls who are out here showing their body and squeezing in the tight clothing and you're in the gym busting your ass because you feel like your your body's slipping and you want to be able to stunt like these young girls those young girls aren't in the gym they they're youthful <laughs> they have high metabolism. They're not putting any, any effort into their bodies. When you, when you see these little clips where they go on Instagram and everything, they'll go there, they'll, they'll be at the gym for five minutes to be on camera, to post it on Instagram, and they go about their day. They'll go to McDonald's and eat a, a Big Mac and some fries. They, they are eating the unhealthy. But well, look at you with the tummy tea that got you on the toilet all day. Stop, you're not a young woman anymore. Dress your age. Because If you're trying to attract a man For who you are now You're not going to attract that man You're going to attract a man for who you are When you were a kid And then you get upset that he's childish Well you went out and tried to live like a child That goes for men too With the jewelry and the rims and everything You're going to attract a young minded woman Who's into that So when she does young minded stuff Whose fault is that but yours? That's what you wanted. You can't be older, want to live younger, and think that what you attract into your life is gonna be older. So when you when you when you're relaxed and you wanna be older, here comes some young shit. The other side of that is um it amazes me the amount of people in this world that uh, realize their dreams. A lot of us, when we were younger, never anticipated or anticipated that we would be the grand idea of what we wanted to be. Whatever we I, whatever we dreamed of, of being, a lot of us didn't reach that goal or we deviated because we realized that goal wasn't what we thought it was so it amazes me when I see athletes and entertainers realize their goal and then do everything in their power to destroy their goal do you know the the amount of time it takes to train your body and your mind right to be a professional athlete to be a professional desbian, To be someone. Who not only gets the adoration. And the money. And the fame. And get all of that. And say okay now. I'm going to live my second childhood. Now I'm going to do all the reckless things. That I always wanted to do. Because I finally a- obtained my goal. But it's, it's ironic. Because you put a- aside all of that stuff. When you were looking for your goal Because you knew at that time That it was bad for you It's just like how Money And fame Make men Women And let me let me phrase that in a way Or I'll reframe that in a way That makes sense A lot of men are hard on women About how women are because a lot of men aren't the desired sex they aren't the ones everyone's trying to get with so when, when men get to a point that they get enough money they become women they become the one everyone's trying to get with and then they behave in the same manner that they judge women by and act like they don't get it it's, it's, it's one of the weird things that The amount of people that get into celebrity And report back to everyone who's not a celebrity That the celebrity world is where And there's homosexuality and all of these rituals And all of these things And they try to speak on Illuminati and manipulation And the, the fact of the matter is that You're just a woman now everything that women deal with on a daily basis as a man with money in the world of money you're a woman now you're no longer a man so sexual harassment manipulation from people in power sexual assault giving a directive and being forced to play it out That's what happens to women nowadays in the world at a regular job. That you may participate in that you think is no big deal because in the world that you exist in, because of the level of money, you're still a man. But once it gets to a point to where the money is so vast, all the gender roles change. You're now experiencing what women experience on a daily basis. From the attention you get and from the friction you get, that's what a, that's what women experience on a daily basis without the same amount of fame and money. So open your mind as a man and realize you have some uh, blind spots in your in your vision. Next time you treat a woman a certain way, are you thinking about a woman a woman in a certain way? Think about the same situation, and if you were in the same situation, but you had a ton of money and fame. And you see producers come to a woman that wants a role, who already has fame, already has money, but wants to continue her career and says, well, you gotta sleep with me to get this role. And in the same breath, that man who's a who's an actor gets accosted by a producer who says, you gotta sleep with me if you want this role. And then they run back to the consumer and on these, on these podcasts and say, oh, he said he wanted to sleep with me. A man is not supposed to want to sleep with another man. That's control, that's manipulation. But you ain't had a problem with it when it was uh, women on the um, casting couch the only difference is that money has now made you a woman you're on the casting couch don't feel good do it it's not no it's not as much as a a, a, a conspiracy anymore is it it's not a, is, is it a conspiracy when it happens to women But it's a conspiracy when it happens to you it's demonic when it happens to you it's normal life when it happens to women when it happens to a woman who works at Wendy's who wants to raise. That's just life. She has to accept it. It's a man's world. When it happens to you as an entertainer, oh, it's a demonic conspiracy. Money blurs the lines of humanity. And I don't know why I went on that rant about that, but that's something that definitely irritates me when I see podcasts or videos or anything where there's a whole bunch of men who have lived their life as misogynistic men Who get to a point To where they're not seen As the alpha anymore Because of the, the amount of money And fame involved And now and they're Relegated to being women To experience, experiencing What women experience And now it's a, it's a demonic world But it's not a demonic world When they do it the groupies It's not a demonic world when they do it to women who try to get on through them. That's the business. And now for the uh, final segment of this episode... It has a little bit of a story time in it, and going to involve me kind of rambling. I may ramble, cause I haven't fleshed it out. I've thought too much about it. It was just something I considered when it comes to the story time, and um, it's inspired by my my youngest uh, child, my daughter. I told my um, my daughter that I was going to go see. Uh, my grandmother and I asked her, did she want to uh, go with me to see my grandmother? She uh, doesn't really know my side of the family too well because I don't go around too much. But for some reason this day, I felt like going over there. So I went over there and I told her, I asked her if she wanted to come and she said, yeah. So she's so happy to spend time with daddy solo she gets in the front seat, she downs the window and the sun is hitting her face and the wind is hitting her face and she got this big smile and she's damn near out the window every time we stop, just looking around at the world. And as we leave my side of town where I live now and once we get on the side where my aunt lives, cause my grandmother lives with my aunt, it's uh Side of town that I grew up on when I was in my teenage years. I spent some of my teenage years on this side of the town. It's not as uh, privileged or I don't know what the word is because I'm not affluent. I don't got a lot of money. I'm not, you know, stacking, but I I live in an okay area. And I wouldn't say, my aunt kind of lives in the hood. So as soon as we get um, to a part of the the front part of the neighborhood I'm just I'm daydreaming in my mind while I'm driving and my daughter asked me uh, what's the name of this neighborhood and I said uh, why are you asking and she just rolled up the window and sat back like the smile wasn't on her face anymore she just got tense and then I kind of snapped out of my daydream and I looked around at the surroundings like, oh, I can see why. <laughs> you know, she is reacting this way because she never really is in this element. Like, she's always on our side of town and the school that she goes to, they're very involved in the, the kids' lives. They all, they're always having functions. It's just like a more of a upscale type feel. And she's just not I don't really introduce them to the, to the hood side of things. So it's funny that her reaction to actually seeing this and me for the first time seeing this area through her eyes because I've always seen it through my own eyes as far as this is just normal. This is a part of where I grew up at and I don't see poverty. I just see everything as this is just the way the world is to me and the job that I have or had I went throughout all throughout the city I've been in very very affluent parts, I've been in very hood parts I've been in these households I've talked to these people and I don't really see the blurred line anymore between parts of towns like most people would because I see that we're all the same regardless of what we have. It's just, I don't know, Some there's, a, there's a, just a small little bit of stuff that separates us as far as attitude. That made me think back to when I was in middle school. I went to a middle school that was kind of notorious as far as the behavior of kids where I lived, it was in the hood. And I was aware of the notorious nature of the school, but just because I went to the school and I I was around the kids and the teachers, but it was just normal to me. So I had a a friend that I used to hang out with in the school and my thought process was always that all of these kids that are in my school, we're all from the same place, all from the hood. So one day I convinced him to come to my neighborhood and the whole time he was there, he, his eyes was just were just big. He was, he just looked so afraid. And I remember like thinking, like, wow, why is he so fucking afraid? Why is he so tense? Like, we're all from the same place. This is where, I, where I'm at isn't that much different than I where he must come from. But it was that same look that my daughter had. That's when I realized, thinking back, like, oh, he wasn't from the. <laughs> So that's why he was so scared. And it just goes to show like, when you grow up in an environment, the amount of stuff that you just put in the back of your mind is just normal, that you just don't think of as being dangerous and how you you build blinders to it. There used to be a guy, when I used to live on the projects when I was uh, really young, there was an older guy, I think he might have been in older teens, or maybe he was in his 20s. He just was, t- I was short, a little small kid. He was tall, so I always assumed he was an adult. But I think he might have been a teenager. But he used to molest kids. And for some reason, at that age, molestation was normal to me. Not that I had been molested, But just the fact that kids get molested was something that was just known. And just like my friends, once we found out about it, of course it's like scary, because it's like, okay, he's a molester, but we all know. And now we just all know to avoid that kid. Or that guy. so once he realized that a lot of the kids were avoiding him, he started to do things that would uh, attract kids. Like, he would offer kids rides on a, uh, a go-kart or, you know, toys or sweets and stuff like that. But we were all aware enough to know that it was a manipulation for him to molest you. So anytime a new kid came around and We saw him zipping around the projects in this go-kart. We all were just thinking like, you know, oh, he's getting molested. But it wasn't even something that was shocking to us or, or disturbing. It was just like a known thing. Well, he's definitely getting molested. And I was telling a friend about this. And then it was funny. This shot of it was funny. Like They were like, Taken aback by how casual I was talking about it. And then it, it always snaps me back into the mind frame like, oh, that's that that wasn't normal to you. <laughs> like I, I forget how I take for granted a lot of things that I went through because it was so normal to me, and I don't I don't look at it how it actually was. When I was uh eight years old, I used to play midnight basketball. It was the basketball that would start around, the young, the the younger kids would always play right before the sun goes down. And then the older kids would play once the sun is down. And we never really, and then adults would always play around midnight. But I would always leave around nine o'clock. So I would leave the game and walk about five miles to uh, a bus stop. And then that bus would take me home. So one day I'm just chilling at the bus stop and my coach pulls up in his car at the intersection and his eyes just got big and he was looking at me. And I'm wondering like, why is he looking at me? Did I do something wrong? And he yelled at me like, what you doing out here? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, why are you out here? I said, I'm going home. he was like yeah but why are you out here i said i'm going home like what did you think happens when i walk away when i leave the game he was like i thought you lived in this neighborhood and you were just going home i said nah i I don't live around here I catch the bus home and he got so mad with me he told me to get in the car and he took me home and that was when i was young i was i I didn't understand his reaction like why was he so irritated i thought he was mad at me like because i didn't tell him how i got home Only for me to really get older and have kids and realize how small and naive and uh, innocent an eight-year-old is. Like, why is an eight-year-old walking five miles in the dark by himself to catch a bus by himself to go home? That's when it hit me like, oh shit, I was a neglected child. (laughs) I didn't even realize how neglected a child I was because... It was so normal to me. And then that made me think about a a whole bunch of instances in my life where things happened. How many times I've injured myself, like, bad. And I remember one time I, 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 I I was walking with my younger cousin to school and she upset me. And I ran across the street and I got hit by a car. And the car hit me so hard that I, got tossed across the street and tossed into a fence. And my cousin helped me up, helped me go home. And when we got home, we told my grandmother I got hit by a car and she didn't believe me. And she put a bandaid on my knee that had a big gash and told me to go to school. (laughs) And I was telling someone about that and their eyes just got big like, what? And I wasn't telling them to shock them I, It was just, it came up in conversation But their reaction is always funny when I tell someone a story That always seem, un, seems mundan, mundane to me And I'm not even telling them For the reason that they always come to shock from It's like, well, that didn't happen to you? You, didn't, you mean to tell me you y'all didn't eat ketchup and rice? You know, kids didn't get stabbed at y'all school. Guys just would not openly molesting people. People didn't just sell drugs and drink outside your window as you go to sleep at night. <laughs> like, didn't that happen to everybody? <laughs> So when I would listen to uh, hip-hop when I was growing up and it and it spoke about the things that were normal to me, I thought, well, shit, if this guy who lives in California or uh, New Orleans or New York is saying shit that's similar to the shit I'm experiencing in Charleston, this just must be what life is like for everybody. So I'm always amazed when I uh, meet people that... Um, had both parents whose family have a rich history of of get-togethers who, you know, just come from a different uh, environment and the things that they're comfortable with and the things that they complain about and the things that just don't bother me, that bother them. This is kind of strange to me and at the same time, it's fascinating because I I can't imagine not having haven't had experienced a lot of the shit I experienced like it's almost normal and when I think about the things that were traumatizing and I tell people about the things that I was telling my daughter we were just having a casual conversation and I was talking about something that actually was traumatizing to me that I had gotten over and I was telling her what I was telling her to uh teach her a lesson or help her think a certain way but it wasn't to get her to uh feel a way about what I was saying and she said that happened to you I was like yeah but and I just kept talking she was like are you okay I'm like what do you mean she's like are you okay and then she just started crying and she said I can't believe that happened to you I was like yeah but you know that's that's not the point of what I'm talking about and she wouldn't let it go and then I thought to myself, like, damn, have I ever cried about that? Then I realized that a lot of the stuff that, I, that happened to me that, I, that traumatized me, I've never cried about. I just always felt sad that it happened. And I always felt mad that it happened. But I never cried about it happening. I never cared about myself enough to believe that I didn't deserve it. that it wasn't normal that it wasn't something that was just supposed to happen I never considered that so kind of at the same time it's weird because it put a smile on my face that she cried because it was like oh it's not normal and it's so unnormal to her and painful to hear that she's crying about it it's like damn I've done a good job that this is something that brings up an emotion to her because it's so hurtful she can't fathom it and to me it's just some shit that happened that made me mad like when I was um we had moved to a brand new neighborhood and my grandmother told me to go to the corner store to uh get some salt to bless the house. And it was a brand new neighborhood I wasn't familiar with, but they told me how to get to the store. So I'm walking to the store and then this it was this kid who was like twice my size, twice my age. I think I was uh, nine years old at this time. And he, he, he called out to me and I just kept walking because I was scared. So him and his friends, they ran up on me and he tried to talk to me, he put his arm around me and I asked him not to touch me. And that made him mad, so he pushed me. So I felt like I was about to get beat up by this kid that was twice my size, so I was like, if I'm gonna get beat up, at least I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna crawl up in the ball and act scared. I'm gonna at least put my hands up and act like I'm gonna fight back. At the very least, I'm not gonna get, just get beat up like a pussy. So he punched me dead in my face And I saw stars and everything, kind of like, just lost (laughs) consciousness for a second. After he punched me in my face, he picked me up and he threw me in a ditch. One of those tall, if you're from the South, like one of those tall ditches where the water drains. So it was so tall that when I stood up, I couldn't see outside the ditch. And then one of his friends jumped in the ditch. No, no, no. I crawled out of the ditch. And once I crawled out of the ditch, I was like, I'm definitely about to get beat up. I'm definitely going to have to fight back. So I got in a fighting stance and then one of his friends got in front of me and had absolute fear in his eyes for me, which made me afraid, like, shit, you're scared for me? And he said, nigga, you better run. (laughs) And I was like, you gotta tell me twice. I ran home. And when I got in the house, I was crying. And they didn't ask me why I was crying or why I was dirty or anything like that. They just asked me where the salt was. And then they started criticizing me for crying. Never really questioned about anything that happened. They they, they thought I just flaked on it. Like I walked up the street, got scared, came home crying because I was too scared to walk to the store. Never asked me anything. And then there was another instance that in the same neighborhood, because we used to live in, a, in downtown Charleston, we moved to North Charleston. Like I said, I used to play uh, midnight basketball. And when we moved, I still wanted to be with my friends downtown and play midnight basketball. I asked them to take me downtown so I can continue to be with my friends and play night, midnight basketball. And they said that they didn't have the time to take me downtown. They said, catch the bus. Mind you I'm 9 years old And downtown is 30 miles from North Charleston And I never caught a bus Other than the bus that I was familiar with catching And I told them I don't Know How to catch the bus Down there And they gave me $1.75 In the bus schedule And said figure it out And so trying to be brave and I didn't want to look, I didn't want to cry in front of them because all I I know is going to get criticism. I went and I caught the bus that was like a, a block down from where we lived. And I tried to figure out the whole thing, but apparently it's not a direct bus straight downtown. You have to catch a bus to a bus stop, a specific bus stop, get a transfer and use that transfer to catch another bus that takes you downtown. And I just, as a nine year old, I couldn't figure it out. And I got scared and I got off the bus at a random stop and I just kept walking until I saw something familiar. And then once I saw something familiar, I walked home and I got home and they're like, uh, what happened? And I just, I just don't wanna go back downtown. And it just went about that day. And I, I was telling someone that story, and it like once again, it wasn't to make them feel sorry for me or to make them feel a way about the story. I may have been telling it as as a as a funny anecdote, and their face was like, "I can't believe that happened to you." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" And then it, that's when it really hit me. Like, damn, that was kind of fucked up. <laughs> so it's, it's uh when I really look back and I actually, because I never want to feel like a victim and I never wanted to think of myself as a victim. But when I really do look back in the past and look at situations as though I didn't deserve that, that's when I can really see things from a perspective like, damn, a lot of fucked up things happened to me as a child. I didn't deserve it. But I, through the grace of God, I'm still here and I'm strong as shit because of it.